Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to Discover DEP, the official podcast of the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. Each week, we talk with DEP experts about how we protect and preserve New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. So that you'll never miss one of our podcasts, please subscribe to Discover DEP on iTunes or Google Play. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy our podcast. Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. Today we are joined by Wayne Hendrick, Resource Interpretive Specialist at the Washington Crossing State Park Nature Center, to talk about maple sugaring. Now, most people, when they hear about maple syrup or maple sugaring, probably think of Vermont, but they really should be thinking of New Jersey, where we have a long history in this state of maple sugaring, and where at Washington Crossing State Park, we have a maple sugaring program where people can go learn how maple trees are tapped for their sap, how that's made into sugar and syrup and candy and everything else, and learn about the history of maple sugaring here in the Northeast. It actually began centuries ago with Native Americans and early colonists, and now organizations around the country have maple sugaring programs to bring this tradition to life for people of all ages to see and enjoy. So Wayne, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and I've been following these podcasts, and it's very cool to be a participant in one. Well, we're, we're really happy to have you here to talk about maple sugaring. You know, there's nothing like a stack of pancakes or waffles with some real genuine maple sugar on it, not that maple-flavored syrup that you can sometimes get in the grocery store, and, and it's uh, really interesting to be able to learn more about it. So, Wayne, tell us a little bit about the history of maple sugaring. How did anybody ever figure out to stick a tap into a tree and end up with a great product like maple syrup? Well, it's a prehistoric aboriginal technology. Uh, Native Americans figured it out. We don't know exactly where or when. The Native peoples didn't have an alphabet and they didn't have a written history. So it's not like you can go to an Indian history book and find out that Joe Sixpack from the Yada Yada tribe figured it out in the year 1783. It predates history, but it is infused in the native culture. And when people came here from Europe in the 16th and 17th centuries, settled the landscape, they didn't know you could get sugar out of a tree. They learned that from the native peoples who had been doing it for centuries and probably millennia. So the practice of drawing sap out of maple trees to make sugar really does go back thousands of years at least. Tell us a little bit about the technique. I've seen maple sugaring in action, and you mentioned it's kind of a prehistoric technology. I wonder if that's still the case. You see the the taps in the trees and a tube coming out of them going into a bucket, or often a lot of tubes going into a, a larger bucket. Really, tell us a little bit about the technique. Well, the technology has has changed, obviously, over the years. When the native peoples tapped the tree, they would basically slice the bark with a stone tool, maybe a V-shaped notch, and they would wedge a, a piece of bark or a stick into the into the slice and it would divert some of the sap that would be running through the the wound in the tree out onto this diverter and then it would drip drip into a vessel at the, at the base of the tree a lot of the sap when you do it that way it runs down the side of the tree and never gets into your sap vessel now when the, when the people from Europe came over they adapted their own 
hardware and their tools to the technique that they had learned from the Indians. And so we had augers and drills, and that's where you get oaken buckets and cast iron cauldrons and all that type of thing. The native peoples didn't have a real good way of processing sap. What they would do is they would put the sap in a trough and then they would heat up stones very hot. They would get them very hot and they would put them in the trough. And then as the heat transferred from the stones into the sap, it would get progressively hotter and it would start to boil and, and evaporate. When you can hang a pot or a, or a vessel of some type directly over a heat source, it goes a lot quicker, it's a lot easier to make it, and it's easier to keep the sap and the syrup clean. You want to keep it clean because it is a, it is a food after all. So, so then the uh, Europeans adapted the, uh, the technology. We, there, there are some innovations in modern technology now with oil and gas-fired evaporators, and as you had mentioned, instead of having individual sap vessels hanging on trees, you now have tubing coming off in a, in a commercial sugaring operation where the sap is collected at a, at a central location and that makes the whole process a little bit easier. Uh, they also now have these reverse osmosis apparatus which pre-process the sap more or less so that you don't have to boil it quite as long as, uh, as you do otherwise. Now why does the sap have to be boiled? Well, it, uh, because the sap is about 97% water and only 2 to 3% sugar and the idea is to concentrate the sugar so when you boil the sap you're driving off the water and and the sugar and a few other trace materials stay in the pot and then as you add sap and you boil and you add sap and you boil the solution will get progressively thicker and darker and sweeter in color until eventually you're uh, you're in the uh, syrup like consistency so it must take quite a bit of sap to be able to produce, say, a gallon of syrup. Yes, sir. The boil-down ratio is 40 to 1 on average. 40 so, gallons of sap to produce a gallon of maple syrup. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of sap to get that maple syrup. So once once it's boiled down and, and turns into the syrup, what are the other uses that take place with the syrup besides pancakes and waffles? Well, there's a number of different products that you can derive from maple sap. One I just learned about last year, it's a, a sweet beverage, a, a tonic-like product that's packaged very much like iced tea, and I'm not sure what it's called, tree water or something like that, and it's basically just a sweet drink made from semi-processed sap. In addition to that, you have different grades of syrup from the grade A light amber, the highest quality type syrups, and then you have the grade B darker cooking syrups, and then there, there's different types of maple candy. There's hard maple candy, there's soft maple candy or maple cream, and then there's a, a waxy candy type product we call sugar on snow. There's maple molasses. There's even a product called maple beer. Really? <laughs> so a full range of products. Yes, sir. I understand at Washington Crossing State Park, in the late winter, early spring, we do maple tapping demonstrations. Could you tell us a little bit about those demonstrations? Sure. Uh, I, I've been doing this for as long as I've worked in the park, and I've, I'm in year 32 at this point. And uh, every, every year I, I go out and tap the trees. It's a very good interpretive program for a number of reasons. It goes, you can go in so many different directions with it. You can, you can teach science, you can teach history, you can teach folklore. 
so you have all these different subject matter that you can infuse into the into the process and then you can get people out in the woods at a time of year they're not inclined to to come outside mm. uh, so it's it's a very good interpretive program and we do we do it for school and scout and homeschool groups we do four public programs a year and it's always worked very well over the years it draws a crowd and you know, you wouldn't think maple syrup. I mean, who cares? It's maple syrup, but it, it's just a very interesting process. Now, can any sort of maple tree produce the sap that's used for syrup, or is there just one particular type of maple tree that can be used? Well, we at the park, we tap sugar maples. We have a lot of them, for starters. And it turns out that sugar maple has the sweetest sap of, of any of the other trees. Hence the name sugar maple. Correct. <laughs> Red maple is a very close relative of the sugar maple, and, and people do tap red maples. The problem with that is uh, instead of boiling 40 gallons of sap down to get a gallon of maple syrup, you're probably going to be boiling more like 50 or 60 gallons of red maple sap to make a gallon of maple syrup. Silver maples can be tapped, as I understand. I've never tapped one. The interesting thing about silver maples is the sap smells really bad, but apparently it makes good syrup. I've heard of people tapping sycamore trees. I once tapped a black birch. I thought I was going to get birch syrup, and I was surprised and a little bit disappointed to find out what I, what I ended up with was very much like maple syrup. It didn't have any birch flavor in it at all, except it wasn't as good as maple syrup. Mm. Wayne, how many gallons of sap will a tree produce in a sugaring season? Maple trees are, are very finicky, very dependent on the weather. They, they run when you have basically good weather. If, if it gets warm and it stays warm, they don't cooperate. If it gets cold and it stays cold, they don't cooperate. If it gets stormy, they don't cooperate. You really need that freeze-thaw, freezing nights and thawing days. So because the weather is so unpredictable this time of year, you don't have a consistent sap flow. Some days the sap will run very briskly and other days it won't run at all. Uh, you know, I, I collect anywhere uh, on days the sap is running anywhere from a third of a gallon to maybe a gallon, a gallon and a half per tap. You can get 10, 15 gallons of sap from a tree in the course, over the course of a season. But again, it's all completely dependent on the weather. And again, you can get 15 gallons of sap, but get a gallon of maple syrup, you're going to have to get another 25 gallons to get that gallon. Well, that, that's right. You, you really can't deal with small quantities of sap. Uh, what All you'll end up with is, is burnt syrup. So what you do is you, you add, you, 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 you use the sap you have in a given day, you boil it down, and then you, uh, you add to it the next day, and then you add to it the next day. And, and when you put a quantity of sap through, then you, you finish it. Can you take us through the process that you use uh, in these demonstrations to tap a tree? Exact, kind of step-by-step, step, what do you do? Well, the demonstrations start out as an indoor program, a PowerPoint presentation where I discuss history and folklore and the science and, and all of that. And then uh, we go outside, I show folks how to identify a sugar maple. And then uh, sometimes there's a little game involved, a, a tree tagging contest where I'll, I'll rip off a piece of masking tape and give everybody a piece and a crayon and say, go out and tag as many sugar maples as you can find. Then we'll pick one of the trees that get, gets tagged by the participants will be selected if it's of, of the proper size. And I'll demonstrate how it's actually tapped. And that simply involves drilling a hole in the tree at... Uh, you know, a few feet off the ground and, and inserting a, 
hollow tube called a spile and tapping it in so it's secure and then uh, maybe a nail to hang a bucket on and just letting it drip drip into the bucket. Now obviously we don't wait there for the bucket to fill up because it'll take a day or two. Hike to the nature center and there's, a, there's always a fire going. I'll have some volunteers that help me with, with the event and we'll have some sap on the fire and I'll demonstrate how the sap is processed into, uh, into maple syrup. So how long does the program last? A couple hours? About an hour and a half. An hour and a half. And do people need to make reservations for the program? Or is yes, it, yes. They do. We, we, uh, we take reservations for, for group programs and for the public programs. Advanced registration is necessary and it's first come, first serve. And that can be done online? Uh, no, sir. We, we do it in real time. You need to call the Nature Center. Call the Nature Center. Well, we have on the description of the podcast the phone number that people can call to make reservations to participate in one of these maple sugaring demonstrations. Very good. Does the process harm the tree at all? You know, whenever you're, you're putting a hole in a tree, you're running the risk of introducing an infection. I haven't had too much of a problem in all the years that I've been doing this and in all the trees that I've tapped, uh, but it is always possible. You don't want to tap a tree that's any younger than eight to 10 inches in size, uh, in diameter at breast height, eight to 10 inches, and we call that DBH. If you do that, you can damage the tree by taking too much of the nutrients it needs to grow from it. And is there a particular time of year that you have to do the tapping, or can you tap a sugar maple any time of year? In central Jersey, at this latitude, the trees start to run in mid-February, and they run for about three or four weeks. So we're pretty much done with it by about the middle or so of March. So what do you mean by the tree starts to run? Well, uh, what happens, there's a, uh, there are changes in the weather come middle of February, and it's still very much the dead of winter. But what happens is the February sun begins to warm the atmosphere, and it freezes at night, and you have this freeze-thaw cycle where the tree warms up during the day, it freezes at night, and it warms and it freezes. And that triggers the tree to come out of dormancy and more or less wake up. And so it draws water out of the uh, ground through the root system. And the water rises through the sap vessels in the tree. And it washes out all the sugars that were stored as starch from the previous growing season. And those sugars are targeted towards the growing areas of the tree, to the roots. It's some of it's going to the, to the buds, to the uh, growing tips of the trees, uh, to, the, uh, to get them to wake them up for spring and get them ready for the upcoming growing season. Interesting. So the, you must not have to drill very deep then into the tree to get the sap. To, to get the sap to flow, you just have to break the bark. You don't have to go very deep at all. But what you do have to do is you have to go deep enough to anchor the spile pretty securely into the tree. Otherwise, the sap will just leak out around the spile instead of running through it. Mm. And uh, all of your sap will run down the side of the tree. And can you tap the same tree two years in a row or three years in a row? Or is it better to kind of tap different trees and give them a chance to heal? No, you can tap the trees every year. In fact, you can tap trees multiple times in a given year. Uh, uh, you can basically tap the tree once for every eight to ten inches of diameter at breast height up to about four times. So a very large maple tree can be tapped four times. Uh, you can have four, four actual buckets hanging on the tree and four taps. And then you can come back the next year and do the same thing the next year. Now you've been tapping sugar maples at Washington Crossing State Park, you said, for 32 years. 
That's correct. So you must have, uh, over the years, developed an affinity for certain uses of the maple syrup and candy and all the rest of that. What are some of your favorite uses for maple syrup? Well, I don't produce maple syrup for the purpose of selling it or stockpiling it. It, uh, We do it strictly for educational purposes. Mm -hmm. It's a very labor-intensive practice, and frankly, I'm a one-man band. Mm -hmm. So I actually tap trees as little as I can get away with. Uh, Just enough to do the demonstrations. Enough to do the programs. So I I don't produce a lot of maple syrup. In a good year, I might produce four gallons, and in a bad year, half that. What happens to it? We use it up in the programs. If you, if you come for one of my events, you'll get a little sample of homemade maple syrup. And I also give it away to the volunteers that help me with it. So at the end of the season, I really don't have much maple syrup. And what I do have, I keep it for the, uh, the following season to get me started. So what dates are the demonstrations being held this year? Well, the public demo, we have school and scout groups coming out, and homeschool groups. The public demonstrations are on Saturday, March 3rd at 1 o'clock, Sunday, March 4th at 1.30, Saturday, March 10th at 1 o'clock, and Sunday's March 11th at 1.30. Well, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to get on the phone and reserve a spot for one of those demonstrations because it sounds really, really interesting. How, cool. how far in advance should people make their reservations? People are think? calling right now. They're I took a calling. reservation yesterday. And here we are February 1st, so we're a month away. So. Yeah. The sooner you can call, the better. And how many people can you accommodate at each session? Uh, You know, 25 or 30. Uh, On the outdoor portion of the program, the size of the group is not really a factor. But because it starts indoors, I need to make sure I have enough seating for folks. And the building can can accommodate 25, 30 or so. Well, we're having this conversation in between breakfast and lunchtime. I'm tempted to go out to the pancake house and have some pancakes with maple syrup for lunch after this conversation because not only have you whetted my appetite, and I'm sure that of all our listeners, for the process of maple sugaring, but also having some of that good maple syrup on a nice stack of pancakes. Well, make, make sure you get the real stuff. If you go into the grocery store, the, the average product that is marketed as a pancake syrup isn't real maple syrup at all. It's corn syrup, and if it has any real maple flavoring at all in it, it might just be 1% or 2%. The real stuff, pure maple syrup, is expensive, and you can buy it in the store, but you're going to pay a premium price for it. So you have to be really read those labels before you pick something up. Make sure you're getting pure maple syrup. If if you're looking for the real stuff, you got to read labels. That's great. Well, Wayne, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. This is fascinating. Uh, it's interesting to think that a practice that has gone on in this continent for thousands of years is still being carried on, really with some changes in the technology, but the basic principles of it have pretty much remained the same. So it puts us in touch with the historical roots of North America and uh, the United States all the way back to colonial days. And also just uh, really is another example of how in our state parks, there's really something to do in practically all of our state parks year-round. Of course, they're visited most frequently in the warmer weather, but here in the midst of winter, you can go to Washington Crossing State Park on a couple of weekends in early March and learn more about maple sugaring. This has been a very interesting conversation, and I really appreciate your taking the time out to be with us today. Thank you. Well, absolutely. And and come on out. Uh, Anybody listening to the podcast, feel free to give me a call. Come on out and learn how to make home-brewed maple syrup. Great. Thank you, Wayne. 
Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.